It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it through the weekend. I hope you did too. Well, if you didn't, you're not listening. Welcome in, Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio, Monday, October 24th. It is a glorious day. What are you doing sitting inside listening to the radio? Gorgeous out there. Going to be right about 80 today, late October. Enjoy it. It's going to rain tomorrow. Temperature is going to drop tomorrow night and into Wednesday. So this could be the last stand. My wife continually turns the air conditioner on and off this time of year. Well, it's yeah, it was hot last night. I'm turning that AC back on. Well, honey, we're getting a cold front. I don't care. I'm freezing in here. Who's... Why didn't you turn the AC off? Hey, the AC is not in my domain. It's not. She is in complete control of the air conditioning, and I'm fine with that because I got a layer downstairs that's probably 20 degrees cooler than the the uh, the uh, level of the house, the the mid level of the house, and I'm happy down there. If I get cold, I got to hit the space heater. If I get warm, I open the the back door. I'm fine. You do what you want. But I will come to bed and I will be shaking with chills on a nice, cool October night. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation, 384-1450. That's how to get in touch with the program. Or you can use the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Get your text into that number. 414-1450. 414-1450. What's the temperature? What's the number? Right? If I said the high today is going to be 72 and the low tonight is going to be 54. We got heat on. Do we have air conditioning? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I just let her do whatever she wants. Whatever, you, whatever makes you comfortable. Here's the problem. Nothing makes her comfortable. That's the problem. It's too hot. It's too cold like the three little bears. It's never just right. So what is your number to turn the air conditioner off? What does the high have to be that day for you to turn the AC off? 414-1450. That's the uh, Thornton's text line. (sighs) Great weekend. A lot of fun. Uh, The World Series is set. Houston and Philadelphia, if you had that, raise your hand. Put your hand down. You're lying. Nobody had the Phillies at the beginning of the postseason. They were the sixth seed in the National League. Houston was an overall number one seed in the American League. The Dodgers were probably the overall number one seed, but Houston was the number one seed, and they have not lost in the playoffs. Three-game sweep over Seattle and a four-game sweep over those New York Yankees who set a record by striking out 50 times in a four-game sweep. That's what the Yankees do. They strike out, they walk, they hit home runs. And I've said this numerous times on this program. If you cannot walk them and you can keep them in the ballpark, you're going to beat them. And that's what Houston did. That's what they did. Yankees got three early. You know what the Astros did? Let's play a little Yankee ball. Let's hit a three-run homer to tie it. Thank you, Jeremy Pena. 
Yankees get the lead back. Harrison Bader solo home run. He's the new Aaron Judge, I guess, in New York, who I predict will not be back in New York uh, next year. But bullpen blows it. They give up two runs, 6-5, final score, nine more strikeouts for the Yankees. And they will uh, – well, they won't. They were home, so they won't go – they'll go to their homes. They won't go back to Houston. Philadelphia-Houston will start World, the World Series on Friday. I've heard this already. Why, why Friday? It's only Monday today. Well, these things are set in advance. Nobody knew that the Phillies were going to beat the Padres four games to one or that Houston was going to sweep the Yankees. So, you know, things have to be set up. TV deals, hotel rooms. You can't just say, okay, we're done. Let's play Wednesday. That's not how it works. Friday, game one in Houston. Time to be determined. Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. Justin Verlander for Houston. The two aces. Now, both teams have plenty of time to get their lineup set, to get their uh, pitching rotation set, get their rosters in. This should be a fun. Phillies are fun to watch. They uh, won all three games in Philadelphia over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, They trailed in two of them. Bryce Harper, they trailed in all three, actually. Bryce Harper hit the home run yesterday. Uh, You know, it it was awesome. It was a great moment for him, a great moment for the city of Philadelphia. And uh, he is the Bryce Harper who we thought he was going to be. He leads the league in extra base hits in the playoffs. He was uh, NLCS MVP, well-deserved. And that at bat yesterday where he hit the home run, where he waited for his pitch, and John Smoltz I thought was great describing it. He said the uh, San Diego pitcher has four pitches. Two of them he won't throw to Bryce Harper because he's too scared of what Bryce Harper can do. Bryce Harper knows that. And pitch by pitch, Smoltz was saying, well, now here's what Bryce Harper's thinking. Here's what Suarez, the pitcher, is thinking. And, man, he dissected that at bat, pitch by pitch, and he was right on, and Bryce Harper got what he wanted and did what he wanted to do with it. And Philly wins 4-3, two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth. It doesn't get a whole lot better than that unless it's the bottom of the ninth, I guess. Talk more about the World Series as the week continues. Six-pack went 3-3. Three and three. Thank you, Pittsburgh Steelers, for covering last night because I needed you to break even this weekend. 27-26-1 and one on the season now. Got off to a great start with Ohio State. 54 points they put up on a good Iowa defense. Now, Iowa can't score. Iowa had 10 points, seven of which were a defensive touchdown. They can't score. And the problem is your longtime, loyal, winningest in program history head coach, Kirk Ferentz, his son is the offensive coordinator. It is very difficult to go to your coach and say, What do you think? Should we fire your offensive coordinator? He does happen to be your son. That can make Thanksgiving a little awkward. Or do we let both of you go? Is it time for you to finally retire, Kirk? And guess what? If you do, you're taking your family with you. We don't want this guy calling any offensive play. That's a tough situation. Your well-respected Hall of Fame coach 
and you're going to ask him to fire his son. That's difficult. But I got Ohio State. Uh, Oklahoma State, I didn't understand why they were six-point underdogs. Texas took a big lead in that game, two-touchdown lead. I thought, oh, well, now I understand. Oklahoma State comes back and wins the game. Quinn Ewers, as good as he was against Oklahoma, as good as he was a week ago, he was not good in the second half of this game, and especially the fourth quarter on Saturday. Oklahoma State, that's an impressive statement win for the Cowboys. Uh, they were ranked 11th at the time. I'm going to assume they moved up in the rankings. They don't have a game this week, so it's hard to find them. They're nice now. They're up two spots. The top six remain the same. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama. Ole Miss was seventh. They got humbled in LSU, didn't score in the second half, lost that game 45-20. to TCU up one to number seven. Oregon up two to number eight with their impressive win over UCLA. By the way, Tony Burke's block of the week, Oregon Ducks. He is now seven and one in his locks of the week. If only I'd known that was going to happen, I could have a little more green in my pocket. Oklahoma State is ninth. Wake Forest, Louisville's next opponent on Saturday, is up three spots to 10. Southern Cal was uh, idle. They're up two spots to number 10. They're tied for 10th with Wake. UCLA drops to 12th. Ole Miss was the biggest dropper. They went from 7th to 15th after that loss to LSU. South Carolina, come on down. Remember when South Carolina beat Kentucky and a backup quarterback, Will Levis, didn't play that game, and Kentucky fan was like, oh, how do you lose to South Carolina? I know we didn't have our quarterback. How do we lose to South Carolina? South Carolina beat Texas A&M on Saturday to improve to 5-2. and two. They are now ranked 25th in the country. Congratulations, Gamecocks. So, crazy week of college football. Um, my losses were Clemson, who started off slowly. It looked like Syracuse was going to win that game. Uh, but congratulations to... Dabo Sweeney, they were down 14, 21 to 7, came back. They went at 27 21. I don't know. They do it with smoke and mirrors, I guess, but Clemson's 8 0, folks. They're 8 0. And Syracuse suffers their first loss of the season. NFL, part of the pick. So I was 2 1 in college. Gave you the Buccaneers yesterday. Wow. Yikes. Tom Brady, we'll throw him in with Aaron Rodgers here. Tough day yesterday for the the GOATs because Brady and Rodgers lost to P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke. Yeah, you're not going to remember those names a few years down the line. Carolina, 21, Tampa Bay, 3. The Buccaneers are tied with Atlanta now. They still lead the AFC South at the NFC South, excuse me, at three wins, four losses. Buccaneers, they looked awful. Now they had a touchdown on the opening drive. Mike Evans was 10 yards in the clear and dropped the ball. And they never threatened again. And you're losing to a Carolina team that's in the middle of a, a yard sale. 
We're selling everybody. Everything must go. Christian McCaffrey, gone to San Francisco. We are open for business. We are going to get the number one pick in the draft. Not so quick. Not so fast. 21 to 3. I would have believed 24 to 23, but not 21 to 3. I don't know where you go from here. Now, it has been pointed out that the year Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, they lost to New Orleans 38-3. to Here's the difference. That was a good New Orleans team. This is a very bad Carolina team. And it doesn't look like the same Tampa team. That team had great defense. That team had offensive weapons. After Mike Evans, I don't know what the offensive weapon is for Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette, he looks old. Chris Godwin, he looks like he's still bothered by the injury. I don't. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, he's not coming out of retirement. He's done. He's going to keep making those USAA commercials, which he's not qualified to do, by the way. I think the Buccaneers are in trouble. The good news for Tampa Bay, you're in a bad division. You're in a bad division. New Orleans and Carolina are two and five, and Atlanta's three and four, and you already beat Atlanta. Green Bay is another story. Green Bay is in a division with Minnesota, who's five and one, had a bye week this week. And the Packers have lost to the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders in the last three weeks. Now, normally I would say that is embarrassingly awful. But the Jets are now five and two after their win yesterday. The Giants are now six and one after their win yesterday. In fact, the entire NFC East won yesterday, except for Philadelphia, and they had a bye. They're still undefeated. But if you're Green Bay, you can't lose to the Commanders. Can't. Can't do it. I don't care how bad you're playing. I don't care how many weapons you have or don't have. You can't lose to the Washington Commanders. Packers are now three and four. That puts them a full two and a half games behind the Vikings, who have already beaten the Packers this year when we start looking at tiebreakers. Now, they're in a bad division, too, because Detroit's got one win. Chicago, who plays tonight, is two and four. They play in New England tonight. Yikes. That doesn't sound like an exciting game. So, Tampa Bay was a loser. Jacksonville, minus the points, loses at home to the Giants. Last play of the game, Trevor Lawrence threw a pass, caught at the one-yard line, but the Giant defense would not allow the receiver to get over the goal line, and the clock ran out. I'm going to lose anyway because I was given three in that game. Even if the Jags score and get the extra point win by one, but they don't, and the Giants are 6-1. and one. We have to start paying attention to the Giants. Probably should have done it at 4-1. and one. But at 6-1, and one, I mean, you're three wins away from guaranteeing that you're over 500, and nobody thought the Giants with Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, was going to be over 500. My final game was the Pittsburgh Steelers plus seven against Miami. The Dolphins take an early 13-0 lead. I'm writing that one off. I'm not winning that one. Give the Steelers credit. Their defense played well. They fought back. 
Tua, he still doesn't know how to slide. But the Dolphins hang on and win 16-10. to Great uniforms last night. They were honoring the 50-year anniversary of the last undefeated team in the NFL. Those Miami Dolphins, 17-0, including the playoffs back in 1972. Bob Greasy was there. Paul Warfield was there. Larry Zonka was there. And anybody that was still alive from that team was on hand for the celebration. And the Dolphins did hang on in those glorious throwback uniforms and beat the Steelers last night 16-10. to By the way, you know who's good all of a sudden? And I'll talk more about this after the break. The Cincinnati Bengals. We'll also talk about Louisville's win over Pittsburgh on Saturday night. All that and more. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. You can hit me up on the Eminem Cartage hotline, 502 384 1450. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, 384 1450. Thorne's text line open as well, 502-414-1450. Textures at Middletown Mo, very excited about his New York Giants. I don't know who the best team in New York is. Is it the Jets or the Giants? It's certainly not the Yankees. It's certainly not the Mets. New York Rangers, maybe? Islanders? Knicks? No, it's not the Knicks. Giants are in a tougher division overall. I don't. I still don't look. Miami's defense played good last night. It was Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know how good the Dolphins are. Four and three. Tua. He didn't look like pre-injury Tua last night. Let's put it that way. He didn't. He had some good plays, good throws to Jalen Waddle, some good plays with Tyreek Hill. Raheem Mostert was really good most of the night. But they did let Pittsburgh hang around in that game. Steelers had the ball twice with a chance to go down and tie or take the lead and uh, pick it through that, especially that last interception with the clock uh, sort of winding down there. Threw it right to the defender. And it was a game in the first quarter. It felt like Miami should put it away fairly quickly, and they could. They didn't do it. NFL, man. NFL. The Seahawks are leading the NFC West. John Lewis's Seattle Seahawks are leading the NFC West at 4-3 and three with Geno Smith as their quarterback. By the way, I, played, I had to play Geno in my fantasy league last, yesterday. Because my other two quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Kirk Cousins, were both on a bye. And guess what? I won. Geno, baby. Seahawks are 4-3. and three. The uh, game of the day was Niners. It was supposed to be Niners and Kansas City in San Francisco. You debuting your new running back, Christian McCaffrey. They, they stayed close for, they, in fact, San Francisco took a 10-0 lead. Stayed in it most of the game. Ten points doesn't mean anything to Kansas City, even without Tyreek Hill. 
Patrick Mahomes doesn't care what the score is in the first quarter. The final, I think, was 44-23. to 23. Chiefs and Bills, I mean, I think we're headed for another showdown in the AFC Championship game. Bills had a bye yesterday. But the Seahawks are in first place, 4-3. and three. 49ers are 3-4. and four. Uh, Then you got the Rams, who had a bye week. They're 3-3, three and three, I believe. And who am I forgetting about? Not good, Johnny. This is a radio show. You're supposed to be prepared. This is called riffing while I figure it out. The Cardinals are three and four. The Cardinals and Ram 49ers are three and four. The Rams are three and three, a half game back of four and three Seattle. The Carolina Panthers yesterday were the only team in the NFC South to win. The only team to win. They can move into sole possession of first place next week if they beat the Falcons and the Buccaneers lose Thursday night to Baltimore, which is extremely possible. The Carolina Panthers, who we thought were tanking, could be in first place this time next week. That's a wow. That's a wow. Um, all, I, I mentioned all three NFC East teams that played one. The Eagles are 6-0. and The Giants are 6-1. and The Cowboys, who beat Detroit, are 5-2. and And the Commanders, with the win over Green Bay, are 3-4. and By the way, Dan Campbell, feel-good story during the hard knocks on HBO preseason. Everybody thinking, oh, this this could be it. Detroit on the verge of a playoff run here. Detroit's one and five now after they lost to Dallas. Remember the high-powered Lions offense that scored 140 points in their first four games? That's 35 a game. The last two weeks they've scored zero and six. Welcome back, Lions. They lost to Dallas yesterday, 24-6. The Jets and Giants are combined 13-3. I don't know if that's ever happened this deep into the season, week eight into the season. They're 13-3. Uh, Bengals looked great yesterday, offensively, defensively. They just look great. There's no other way to say it. Joe Burrow is back to being the star that we certainly think he's going to be for the next 10 years. Keep this in mind. The Bengals are 4-3. and three. They're tied at the top of the AFC North with Baltimore. Baltimore has struggled to put teams away. They've given up double-digit fourth-quarter leads numerous times. They hung on to beat Cleveland yesterday. The Bengals are 4-3, and three, and I mentioned this Last week, their only three losses are all on a last play of the game field goal. I thought the Bengals were going to take a step backwards this week, and after a couple of weeks into the season, I thought I was right. I did. They were struggling. They weren't winning. What happens is, and this happens every year, teams win games they're not supposed to win. 
Bengals did that a lot last year. They did. You can look at the record and, uh, yeah, went to the Super Bowl, but they won games they should not have won last year. This year, they've lost games they should not lose, and that's when you take a step backwards. Got to the Super Bowl, lost to the Rams, had a chance, had the lead, Rams going, last possession had a chance to come down and, and beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. Couldn't get it done. What happens to a lot of these Super Bowl runners up? They fall off the next year. They get there. They get to the peak. They get to the pinnacle. The, the trophy's within reach. They just can't bring it in, and the next year they go backwards. And I thought Bengals are going to do the same thing. Joe Burrow's different. He's different. When they lost that opener at home to Pittsburgh, missed the extra point, he wasn't phased. He doesn't get phased. When they were under 500, he did not get phased. It's it's something in the DNA. They were 0 2. They lost it at Dallas. To get it to 2 and 2, then you lose at Baltimore on a Justin Tucker field goal. You're 2 and 3. You're losing in the fourth quarter at New Orleans last week. He doesn't blink. Joe Burrow yesterday, 34 of 42. 481 yards against Atlanta, three touchdowns. And he, you know, he throws it to everybody. If you're open, I don't care if you're Chase, who's the best receiver on the team, top five receiver in the league, maybe even higher. If if somebody else is more open, I'm throwing it to them. He makes no apologies. He targeted four different receivers yesterday at least seven times. Four. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, the tight end, and Jamar Chase. Chase did have eight catches for 130 and two touchdowns. Tyler Boyd had eight catches for 155 and a touchdown. T. Higgins had had five catches. Hayden Hurst had six catches, the tight end. And they beat Atlanta 35-17. The Cincinnati Bengals, um, and this is how you jinx a team the next week, but I'm going to say it anywhere, they're back. They had a little bit of a, I don't know, burp start there at the beginning of the season, lose to Pittsburgh. We didn't think the Steelers were going to be the class of the division with Mitchell Trubisky. Now they've gone to Kenny Pickett. We certainly didn't think they were a playoff caliber team. They have a Hall of Fame coach, though, so you never know. Bengals now get the Browns next Monday night. Can't get rid of this cough. Next Monday night, Bengals at the Browns. Deshaun Watson not coming back yet. By the way, karma, there you go, Browns. You're two and five. That's what you deserve. That's what you get. Before the bye, the Bengals have at Cleveland and then Carolina at home. So this 4-3 and three could get to 6-3 and three really quickly. And I know it's the AFC. And I know it feels like Bills, Chiefs, everybody else. Keep in mind, 
The Bengals didn't have to beat both of those teams last year. The Chiefs beat the Bills, and then the Bengals had to beat the Chiefs, which they did to get to the Super Bowl. This year, it just feels like you're going to have to beat both of them. Now, Bengals can still spoil that party again if they keep winning. They do play the Chiefs first weekend of December in Cincinnati. They do play the Bills Monday night, January 2nd, second to last game of the regular season, in Cincinnati. Both of those are home games. So they can spoil this whole Bills, Chiefs in the in the AFC Championship game again. They could do it again, and they could. There is a scenario where the Bengals could just be playing somebody else. Let's just say, for argument's sake, the Tennessee Titans, or perhaps the Dolphins, or even even the Jets. Right now, are a possibility, or the Ravens. In the conference semifinals, while the Bills are playing the Chiefs again, there's a scenario where that's entirely possible. When you look at the remainder of the Bengals' schedule, at Cleveland, Carolina, at the Steelers, at the Titans, those next four games are unbelievably winnable. They're probably going to be favored in all of them. Then they got the Chiefs at home. Then Cleveland at home, at Tampa Bay. Will Tommy even still be there if they don't turn it around? At New England, very winnable. Buffalo at home, and then you finish the season at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Bengals team is back, folks. I was wrong. I wasn't wrong about the hangover. I was wrong about the length of the hangover. That hangover is done. It's finished. The post-Super Bowl, we didn't quite get it done hangover that almost every team has when they lose a Super Bowl, happened, but it happened quickly. And the Bengals got the remedy for it a lot sooner than most teams do. By the way, Tampa Bay and Green Bay talked about you know, they're both three and four. They both lost to opponents that you don't think they should have lost to yesterday, Carolina and Washington. Next game for each team. Tampa Bay is home Thursday night against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Green Bay, by the way, goes to Buffalo for Sunday night football this week. Yikes. I love Aaron Rodgers. At the post-game press conference yesterday, this might be the best thing that happened to us. Really? Losing to the Washington Commanders and Taylor Heineke might be the best thing that happened to you? We're, we're going to be, you know, nobody's going to think we have a chance against Buffalo. You're right. That's why you're a 10.5-point underdog. Aaron Rodgers, as a starting quarterback, has never been a double-digit underdog in an NFL football game. Aaron Rodgers, as the quarterback of the Packers, is a 10.5-point underdog as of right now, Sunday night in Buffalo. This is not the best thing that could happen for you. 
the best thing that could have happened for you was to somehow squeeze out a victory against the hapless, quarterbackless Washington Commanders. And you couldn't do it. All right, I promised I would uh, get to Louisville football. NBA news as well. Guess who's 0-3? We'll talk about that after the break. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment on this Monday. Eminem Cartage hotline is open, 502-384-1450. To join in on the conversation, 384-1450. You can hit me up on the Thornton's text line if you'd rather communicate that way, 502-414-1450. That's the text line, 414-1450. Kentucky is a 12.5-point underdog on Saturday at Tennessee. Cats coming off a bye week. Tennessee coming off a 65-point performance over UT Martin. 65-24 was the final. I don't think many Vols played uh, after midway point of the second quarter there in that blowout. Tennessee again last week beats Alabama 52-49 on a last-second field goal. They are ranked third in the country. By the way, Kentucky-Missouri... The following week will be a noon start on the SEC Network in Columbia, Missouri. 11 a.m. if you're actually on site in Missouri as the SEC has announced their TV times for the following week. Kentucky, Missouri, I guess you sort of expect a noon start there. I would have guessed 4 o'clock, but the 4 o'clock slot is going to go to Liberty and Arkansas. How about that? There's a game for you. Kentucky 12-and-a-half-point dog. By the way, uh, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Holly Rowe on the call on ESPN. They're not doing the ABC game, which they usually do, um, They're doing the, which is uh, Michigan-Michigan State. They're doing the Kentucky-Tennessee game on ESPN, the, the number one crew. This is a big platform for the Cats if they can, you know, get something done. Tennessee, man, they're good. Score a lot of points. They'll give up some, but they score a lot of points. Keep this in mind. They scored 52 against Alabama. Alabama only allowed six to Mississippi State, and that was very late after a pass interference call that Nick Saban was irate about. He was up 30 to nothing, and he was cursing the officials on a uh, late pass interference call against the Crimson Tide. By the way, the uh, Cards are four-and-a-half-point underdogs this Saturday against 10th-ranked Wake Forest. Demon Deacons come to town. Cards on a two-game winning streak. 24-10 uh, to 10 over Pitt Saturday night. It was not the most fun game to witness. It just wasn't. Stop and go a ton. More than more than an average number of replay reviews on Saturday night. And that's an 8 o'clock start. That's an 8 o'clock start. We were close to midnight before getting that one over with because of a, a bevy of replay reviews. Um, 
Now the Cards win. That's great. They're four and three. You're two games, two wins away from bowl eligibility. You've got winnable games against James Madison. I think you've got a winnable home game against NC State coming up because they've lost their quarterback for the season. Um, you know, is Wake Forest winnable? Maybe. You're only a four and a half point underdog. But the bothersome part about that game was the way that the coaching staff used Malik Cunningham. The way that they spot played Malik Cunningham. Now he took another couple of shots. He did go into the into the medical tent at one point. They took his helmet away from him at one point. But at the start of the second half, I had the binoculars on him. Cards get the ball. They bring in Brock Doman to play quarterback, the backup. And I wondered aloud in the press box to some colleagues, it's got to be a head injury, right? I mean, there's no reason he's not out there playing. He's on the sideline. Why does he have his helmet on? Because if you're concussed, they take your helmet away from you, right? That's standard operating procedure. He had his helmet on. He's standing next to Satterfield. Well, he's got to be hurt. I mean, you're in this game. It's a close game. you got Brock Doman in the game. We found out later, actually during the game, that was just a coach's decision. Start Brock Doman in the second half. They weren't happy with the way Malik was playing. Malik Cunningham's your starter, folks. He's your quarterback. He's the guy that can get it done for you if it's going to get done. He was quickly back in on, on the next series. He finished 10 of 21, 122 yards, very pedestrian, two touchdowns out of those 10 completions, one interception, nine carries, 46 yards, one reception, a little trickeration, for 33 yards. Travion Cooley ran for 75 yards. The game was won and lost on turnovers. Pitt had four. Louisville had one. The final turnover, a scoop and score that allowed the Cards to take that two-touchdown lead very late in the ballgame and sort of clinch victory right there. Pitt was going to head down and try to get the game-tying score. Quarterback Keaton Slovis gets stripped of the ball, picked up, I think it was Keetrell Clark, ran it back for a touchdown. And the Cards win 24-10. to Now, it was a difficult exit in the parking lot. I've got a purple pass that Louisville's kind enough to give me. But you're in the middle of the biggest parking lot on uh, stadium grounds there, and it's it's hard to get out. You've got impatient people at midnight honking at each other. Okay, I'm just sitting in my parking spot. I don't know I'm not going anywhere. I'll wait till it clears out a little bit, and then I'll just go when I think it's – I don't have anywhere I have to be. So I'm turning on a couple of different post-game shows for Louisville football. The narrative hasn't changed. It is still a narrative of who's the next coach going to be. We can't keep doing this. They could not, fans could not enjoy, and I don't understand this, a 24-10 win over a Pittsburgh team that took Tennessee to overtime, that was 4-2 and coming in, that has a USC transfer quarterback that won the ACC title last year, and the fans could not enjoy that victory. It was an ugly game. 
I will agree with that. It was a win. Your defense played great. Yasir Abdullah was fantastic. You forced Pitt into four turnovers. There are a number of guys on that defense that should have got helmet stickers if we give out helmet stickers anymore. And the defense, since Scott Satterfield stated publicly that he was going to have more of a hand in the defense, has been really good at Virginia and against Pitt. It's been really good. Not just good, really good. And it's allowed them to win football games. Why is the narrative still, is it going to be Brom or is it going to be somebody else? Who's going to replace Scott Satterfield? By the way, Brom, not an impressive performance up at Wisconsin this week. Now, Purdue never wins at Wisconsin. But this was an opportunity against a Wisconsin team that fired their coach in the middle of the season. Has not been automatic division winner Wisconsin this year. And you go up there and lay an egg, which is exactly what Purdue did. The final was 35-24, but it was 28-3 at one point, and it was over. And you know what I heard on the postgame Louisville shows? Two of them. With callers calling in Louisville fans who were in the parking lot with me some of whom were still in that parking lot, leaving the game. Yeah. What are we going to we got to get rid of Satterfield. Who's it going to be? You literally won this game less than an hour ago. <laughs> ah. Texas says, John. Those radio fanboys are going to be very upset when they get two more wins and Satterfield keeps his job. Yeah, I know. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Has he been great? No, he hasn't been great. He hasn't. You're in a division with Clemson, all right? You're not going to win the division. Get to bowl games, win bowl games. Got to bowl game last year. Unfortunately, they lost. To Air Force. If they get to a bowl game and lose again, six and seven, do they still want him gone? If they get to a bowl game and win, seven and six. What if they beat Wake Forest? And then beat James Madison. And then beat NC State. By the way, they're playing well at home. They've only lost to Florida State by four points at home. They're playing well at home. I know South Florida stinks. I know it's quote-unquote just Pittsburgh. But if you beat Wake Forest, you beat NC State at home, you beat James Madison at home, you go 7-5, and five, you go win a bowl game, you still want him gone? You got what is arguably, well, it's not even arguable. If you bring in the recruiting class that is committed if those guys all show up on campus, it's quite possibly the greatest recruiting football class in Louisville history, led by Pierce Clarkson. What are you going to complain about then? Well, we lost to Kentucky. <laughs> well, we lost to Clemson on the road, Kentucky on the road. 
That Boston College game is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. The sign of a good team, one of the signs, and I'm not saying this is a good team, but if you're a good team, one of the signs, one of the traits you have is when you lose a game you shouldn't lose, you bounce back. The coaching staff keeps the team together. The captains of the team, the seniors, they keep the team together. They lost to Boston College. That was an ugly loss, bad loss. Defense was terrible. They come back and beat Virginia. Does Virginia stink? Yes. Yes, they do. But a bad team, a team with no leadership, loses that game on the road at Virginia. Then you beat Pitt. You give up 10 points. You you cause four turnovers. Your defense is stout against a running back who, by the way, ran for over 300 yards the week before. I'm encouraged. Most Louisville fans are still discouraged, and I'm not going to understand it. Charlie Strong, Bobby Petrino, Howard Schnellenberger, they're not coming through that door. You know who might come through that door if you get rid of Scott Satterfield? The next Ron Cooper. How about that? You want the next Ron Cooper? Bob Gibson? Is that right? Bob? It's not Bob Gibson. Who am I thinking of? Phoenix Hill Richard will let me know on that one. Ah. Who do you want coming through that door? You want Jeff Brom. I know. I get it. The dream still lives. Enjoy the team you've got. Enjoy the wins you get. I don't understand not enjoying victories. Vince Gibson. Thank you. Thank you, Phoenix Hill Richard. Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson will scare the hell out of any team. Get up on that mound, throw that fastball, throw that heater at your, at your grill. Yeah. Vince Gibson, the next Ron Cooper, the next Vince Gibson coming through that door. Lee Corso. Coming through that door. You might get Bobby Petrino 2.0. That's not good. Scott Satterfield is taking some lumps. He's taking some lumps. This team's 4-3 and three now. 4-3. and three. Beat Central Florida on the road. That's a good win. Beat Pittsburgh at home. That's a good win. Any road conference game, in my opinion, and I've said this numerous times, I don't care who you are, any road conference win is a good win. Therefore, Virginia qualifies, even though it's not a good team. And by the way, Syracuse loss doesn't look so bad anymore, does it? I remember that night. Oh, fire him now. We lost to the Orange by multiple touchdowns. Doesn't look so bad now, does it? By the way, the NBA I wanted to get to, the Lakers are 0-3. The Lakers are not going to make the playoff. Thanks for listening. Back at it tomorrow. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.